0: Welcome to the Seller Roundtable E-Commerce Coaching
1: and Business Strategies with Andy Arnott and Amy Wies. Hey, what's up everybody? This is Andy Arnott and this is Seller Roundtable number 50 with my co-host. Amy Wies. And we're super excited to have Brandon Young on. I can't believe it's uh, taken us this long. Brandon, welcome.
0: Yeah, great to be on. I know that we've tried in the past, but uh, schedules didn't align, travel, all that good stuff. But I'm glad I'm finally here.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, we're we're gonna we're gonna shoot from the hip today, but we're gonna start out with a couple of our standard questions, uh, just because, like Amy said, you know, uh, you, you've been on a lot of uh, podcasts and and been interviewed a bunch, but we don't know too much about uh, about your past, so we're gonna grill you there. So if you, if you can share as little or as, uh, as much as you like, but you know, things like where you were born, where you live now, some past jobs, college, school, just kind of like, you know, leading up to, uh, the, the Amazon world.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, it, just to give you guys the, the brief version, uh, I started out uh degree in finance, helping my family with their, uh, their business, family business, uh, always been entrepreneurs, um, wholesale construction supply industry. Um, my father passed away in 2007. I decided to go back to school, get an MBA, uh, decided when we sold the business, unfortunately we sold it like at the downturn 2008, uh, when construction was really plummeting, everything was kind of poor, kind of what we're about to go get into now, uh, terrible economy, but, uh, then decided to get into, uh, I've, you know, get into investing in startups, helping others with startups, help them with uh, scaling and getting something profitable or investable. Um, met my now wife. Uh, we started uh, Amazon uh, in 2005, got married in 2007, right? Yeah, <laughs> gotta, gotta verify. Right. So uh, yeah, so then we, uh, 2005 we started, we were doing wholesale. Uh, we started with, uh, liquidation and wholesale. We wanted to try to do something a little bit more scalable than arbitrage. I wasn't a really fan of shopping or to me, it was more of a job and then had some issues with some of the brands getting gated. Uh, one of them in particular, because I went back to construction supply since I knew it and had contacts there. So I was selling DeWalt tools and then they started to get gated. So I said, okay, that's not that sustainable. But my wife being from China, I said, all right, we need to go to China. We need to, why aren't we doing private label? we have the connections over there like you can help source it we can we can do it we have family um and so we went to canton fair in 2016 uh, a couple of months later we launched our first private label products and we've been doing ever that only private label ever since really awesome
1: cool yeah that's a that's a that's a interesting backstory i love the backstory because uh he's, you know the the, uh, the the journey up to being an amazon um, you know, b- being in Amazon, I hate saying Amazon seller. I used to say that, but now it's like, you know, being an e-commerce cause Amazon's only one of the, the platforms that we should all be utilizing. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I think, I think you start to get more well-rounded. I think people, you have those different layers and then you have a progression. You have people that come in that are just doing a side hustle. They're doing arbitrage or just flipping stuff. Those, those are just FBA sellers. Right. And then, then if, if, if you can, turn it into a full-time job and replace your, your job with it. Then, you know, you start looking at things like wholesale and things that are just the way that you can scale that business. I mean, my good friends, Max and Garland scaled to 10, you know, $10 million with arbitrage, but they had a huge warehouse, you know, eight or nine employees, shoppers, processors, you know, you have to, they treated it like a real business and were able to scale, but it was basically just arbitraging man hours at that point to, and, and finding deals and having people travel around. But that's not the ideal situation for most people. And most people are happy with just an extra few thousand dollars a month, just flipping stuff that they find, you know, in stores. For us, it was always like, how do we create a real successful business out of this? So that's where wholesale and, and private label came in.
1: Yeah. Outstanding. So in, on that same note, I mean, what do you guys, I know that you, that you have multiple brands, um, you know, seven, I think you're, you're in seven and or maybe eight figures in, in, in some of those brands, um, you know, what are you guys doing today, uh, to, to scale those brands? Uh, are you doing anything different? I know that you're being into, into chat bots, um, anything else that you guys are doing today that, that you feel like, uh, kind of gives you an unfair advantage that, uh, you'll tell everybody here and they'll be like, yeah, that's a great idea, but only like 2% of them will actually go and execute. <laughs> you know, the, what I
0: think, where I, where I think our advantage, uh, lies is, um, in our, uh, processes right because we we're, we're able to move quickly um and i think that we have a really deep understanding of the algorithm and and the latest changes in the algorithm and we stay on top of that so we're able to launch products do do like pick better products because of our keyword research strategy but also launch products more effectively and more efficiently because we understand what amazon ex- wants exactly to, to rank a product Um, All the data is there. Everything's available at your fingertips. But if you don't really understand how the algorithm works or why, uh, then you don't know how to to implement that. And I think a lot of people are still throwing darts with choosing products. And I think a lot of people are still burning a
1: lot of money and lighting a lot of money on fire with, with bad launch strategies. Yeah, absolutely. So Amy and I harp on, you know, all the, all the sourcing tools, right. Um, We're not harping on any of the people that run those tools, you know, as you know, we're all, it's a small community. I love all those guys, but uh, you know, the, the, the jungle scouts and the, and the, you know, viral launch, you know, and, and helium 10, you know, they all have these, you know, quote unquote, like sourcing tools, right. You're not a big fan of those things either. Are you? Because to me, you know, they have a place in terms of data, but you know, so many people use those as the the, the starting point and the ending point of picking a, a product. And that's why you end up with thousands of people with fidget spinners sitting in a warehouse, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, so, so to me, like it's a danger for everyone to be putting the same uh, numbers into a software and getting the same results back. And, and to me, it's an even, you know, you get, you get a lot of the fake gurus out there that have courses or whatever that teach uh, certain methodology that's going to lead to all of their students finding the same few products also. So that's why, like you said, you have 20 pages of people that are stuck with scratch off maps and, uh, and all of the other products that we know that everyone has that they got stuck with because it looked like a good opportunity at the time margin was good. And then all of a sudden they launch it along with 200 other people that launched it, you know, and it's the same exact product with the same exact images. And so it's, um, so I, I do like using some of those tools just to put in my, like, I'll put in uh, different criteria. Like I'll use like Helium 10's black box. You, you mentioned that each one has their own, like, you know, they all have, but I'll keep changing that criteria. And then I'll look at, um, if I find a successful seller in a niche, I'll look at their storefront and I'll look at what else they're selling or launching. I'll look at um, like another, another methodology that we have that I, that I created is, is called like the audience method. So I I won't search for a specific product, but I'll search for the audience that I want to sell to. So if I want to search for, um, sell something to fishermen, I'll actually just go to Amazon and I'll search for fishermen. And it's funny because I don't care what's on page one for fishermen. Like no one's going on Amazon and trying to buy fishermen and searching for just fishermen. But if your product is for fishermen, then it's probably indexed for fishermen, but it might be on page 15. Right? So then I can just go through 20, 30 pages of the results for that and find products that are selling more than 10 or 20 a day and find out, okay, now how are they getting their sales? What are the real keywords they're ranked on to get those sales? And so I use that methodology a lot too. And, um, then I just get ideas. Like, uh, that's why I go to trade shows too. I think going to trade shows and just getting ideas while you're walking around booths is really important. Uh, another good thing that we do is like, we'll go to showrooms, which is basically the same as going to a show, but it's more, um, more private. So like, for example, we sell, we have like three toy brands and in Chanteau in China, they have these showrooms that you can go into. And the business model is this, it looks like a Target or a Walmart and it's like five stories high. And every single floor has this section. And in that section are a bunch of diff- different random toys. And that's one entire factory's representation. Then you go to the next section, it's another factory. So it's like every section on this floor, as you're going is, is different factories. And then they follow you around. They treat the buyers like gold. So what they're doing is they're charging the factories to be in there because there's 12,000 toy factories in Chanteau. and they're charging all of the factories to be in there. But then the buyers come in, they follow you around with a cart. You point to a product on the wall, they scan it. And if, it's a, um, they, if you want it, they'll put it in the cart so you can go back later and play with it in a private room and test it and stuff. And then at the end, everything that you scanned is given to you on a printout sheet and digitally so that you have the, the contact information for the factory, the price and everything.
2: So and it's, kind tell of you like a, it's kind of like at Global Sources where they do like the matching or some of the trade shows where they do the matching services with matching with the factories. Can we talk about the food in Chanteau for a second? <laughs> Can we just talk about- Okay, where about are you going to go
0: with that? Where are you going to go with that?
2: Oh, it's so good. The food is incredible. You don't like
0: it? Oh Oh my gosh. All right. So, so funny, funny thing is right before the the Chinese New Year, right before we got almost got stuck there with the virus, we were there and we were finalizing a bunch of orders. Um, That's when we were supposed to speak. I think like I was over there already. And um, one of the factory owners, we went and visited to, to finalize a deal for like three or four different SKUs. He's like, I insist, I got to take you to lunch. And I was like, no, I don't really want to go to lunch because like the, the shan- like, I do like how the showrooms bring you food and it's great. Like, like, it's not bad. There are some good places, but this guy's insisting. And so he takes us to this, this place. It's, it's a slum. It's straight up just a slum. And he brings us to this, uh, this, I can't, you can't describe it as more than a shack. You've got like these tables that are held together. It looks like something that you would like, you would nail, like you would take, you would cut a tree and make your own table. And then there's just these buckets that they're washing all the dishes in
2: right next to where
0: we're eating. (laughs) And then you see the fish and you see the fresh food that they're cooking and it's all raw. And then they're just pulling it out, breaking like the heads off with their hands and throwing it in the, in the pots. And I'm just like, Oh my God, this is going to be abysmal.
2: That is right? the exact, the complete opposite of my. That was my last experience, experience in eating in
0: Chanteau, Just so you know, so when you when you said, "How about the food in Chanteau, That's immediately what I thought of. I thought oh, you. Were no, go there. We,
2: man, we have to we have to try again. I definitely want to check out this. Uh, I definitely want to check out this place that you went to. I need yeah. to shop this place. I don't. I don't have any toys. Um, you know, I'm I'm in the pet in the pet area but <laughs> um but yeah i would definitely love to check that out and we need to take you to a better restaurant in Chanteau, clearly <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes yes
2: oh, well, i've been to a couple
0: good it. places it's not bad what's amazing is like you go there and and a hotel costs you 25 dollars a night yeah. you're like staying in a place that's better than a day like it's not you're not at the marriott right but you're not at uh, a motel it's it's decent. there's a so there's, there's a chain that we stay at called um oh the uh What's the flower? What is it? It's oh, the lavender, lavandy. So it's like lavender, but with an E uh, with no R and they have them all throughout China and they're 25, $30 a night. Maybe if there's like the Canton fair going on it's $60, but like it's the most affordable place to stay. And it's, it's fine. Nice, comfortable beds. Nice. It's all remodeled. Showers are are beautiful. Like, you know, I can't, I can't ask for more. I'm not spending too much time there. Yeah. So this place Chanto's that you great. talked
2: about in Chanteau, um, is it open all year round, kind of like IWU is? Is it more of like a market or is it a seasonal kind of thing?
0: No, it's, it's, they are open all, all year round. So there's multiple, right? They all compete against each other. So they're all trying to treat the buyers better and trying to groom the, the, the sellers, like the, the factories, put their stuff in there. Uh, they verify that they're real factories. They're open year round. You can't get access unless you go through a broker though, because you have to verify that you're, that you're a broker. So, um, they don't just do end end sellers. you can't go knock on the door and just walk in so we just from our contacts and and our team there, we were able to get in.
2: very cool So I love that you use you know lots of different ways. You talked about um, you know you of course use tools, but you're also just using common sense you know you're you're looking at Amazon, you're searching for some some things, you're checking out what the results say. And I love that because, you know, it's all right there in front of us. And I think sometimes people just generally overthink it. And, you know, if we just think about it as supply and demand and what's out there and we look at opportunities, um, you can just use Amazon as a as a way to do your research. Um, and then you use the other tools as as data points. So I love that. I saw your. Um, Kind of a little bit of what you do with keywords and I I took some from that as well as improved some of my PPC strategies using your techniques as well. So I definitely, definitely appreciate learning from all different techniques. I agree that it's really important to keep on top of um, the ever-changing landscape with the algorithm because the, you know, Amazon's a search engine and you need to get found. And if you're not keeping up with those things, you're not going to be found. And if you're not converting, if you're not paying attention to what you're doing and converting, you're going to get lost. So, so many people, as you mentioned, you know, they've got products out there and um, and they're just not making sales and they're not looking at it from a customer's perspective. Do you do any of that, Brandon? Do you ever kind of just go through your your listings and look at them from a customer's perspective and uh, kind of check out what competitors are showing up on your page. Um, what are, what do you do in terms of after you've launched, um, kind of keeping up with, with your listings and, and taking a look at the landscape?
0: Yeah, we're, we're always iterating and trying to improve. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where it's the quest for perfection. Like it, perfection is impossible, but I always have my, uh, my employees now, now it's more out of my hands. So I actually have launch like I, I still handle a little, lot of the launch, but the growth team is its own team. Uh, in that we have, and so what we have them doing is just constantly going back and, and trying new main images, uh, testing coupons versus Amazon uh, Prime, you know discounts, uh, testing different price points, and seeing where we need to be as far as uh, you know optimizing the listing and optimizing the price to keep maintain keyword ranks. And then they're handling PPC on that end too. Like we talk about a lot of the PPC. And, and it's only more recent, like in the last year or so that PPC has started to play either a positive or negative impact on keyword ranks. It used to be that two years ago, three years ago, the good old days, the more you spent on PPC, the better your listing did, no matter if it was profitable or not, or how it was converting. You could basically just spend your way to the top of anything. Nowadays, if your PPC is performing poorly, it has a negative impact on your overall performance of your listing. So, um if your overall conversion rate goes down below your competition or your click-through rates lower because your PPC isn't getting clicks or conversion, then it's going to negatively impact those keyword ranks. And then those, those keyword, those organic keyword ranks are what, what drives the organic sales. And so it's a downward spiral. I see a lot of people that are their, their listing starts to slide. So they, they spend more on PPC, which causes it to slide even more, which means now your tacos, like your, your overall uh, PPC sales to regular sales, Uh, starts to go the wrong direction, right? You're trying to, you know, you end up with a less profitable product over time instead of more. So I think the biggest thing for us is just constantly measuring, making small incremental changes and measuring what exactly that's doing to our listing, positive or negative, so that we can constantly make those those incremental improvements.
2: Yeah, I think a lot of people don't realize that no matter how much you increase a bid, if you're not converting well, that data is going to count against you. And you're just gonna keep fighting a losing battle. So it's really great that yeah. you find that out and that you recommend that people are making those little small changes and then actually seeing what the results are. I know Andy talks about that a lot. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. And the other thing, yeah, the other thing I've heard Brandon talk about, which is the same thing we do, is the the mid-tail keywords, right? Like the 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 going for the primary keywords are great. But once again, if you're in even a, a slightly competitive niche um against fighting against a big established brand. Those those guys have unlimited budgets, right? So they can just they, as soon as you raise your bid, they can raise their bid, and they'll just keep doing it and, and until you go negative. Um, so you know, going for those those mid tail, long tail keywords on PPC is really how today how as a little guy you can you can actually compete against some of these mega brands.
0: Yeah, a lot of the major brands we have found like we we love competing mm-hmm. against them. And it's funny I was when I was at the toy show uh, a few weeks ago, uh, just walking around and looking at. All the major brands that are there, and then and then just quickly doing a search on Amazon for the products, it was like, man, they are bad at Amazon. But then, of course, like so, so I was there, and my good my good friend Eddie Levine is a is a brand manager, and he manages a bunch of brands, and and obviously he wouldn't tell me which ones he manages, but I, I would just I would just ask them. I was like, hey, so who does your Amazon stuff? Oh, we do it in house. We're good on that. Like like I didn't want to manage their Amazon brand. I was just wondering if they do it in house or have a, a have someone, and then they would all insist like, oh, they're pros, right? Like they have a team and they're really good at it, but obviously they aren't. They just don't understand the, the extra layer of research that you can do to find those long tail keywords. That's, that's what separates, I think, The when you choose a product that could potentially become competitive, the only reason you should choose that product in the first place is if it has a lot of good keywords to sell on. Because what distinguishes you from somebody else would be, can you rank for the majority of those keywords when they can't, and I think that's the bottom line. Most sellers don't know how to a find those keywords, b and
1: then b rank on them.
0: And if you can do both of those things, you're just going to stay ahead of them anyway.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I love to pick on you. You, you know, we're mentioning big brands, Stanley Tools. Go ahead and do a search for Stanley Tools on Amazon. And <laughs> I we saw actually them have, there, yeah, yeah, we have a we have a couple of competing uh, products with Stanley Tools. And Me too. uh, I, I love to use it as an example because uh, they absolutely are horrible. I mean, literally like what are their screwdrivers? It says like Phillips head screwdriver. That's the title. And I'm like, Holy, that's the whole title. Yeah, exactly. So they, now they have a toy. So I sell, I
0: sell toy tools against them. And, and so they're, they're launching their Stanley juniors and their, their other tools. Like they're, they're launching more of a toy brand because they did the, the the real tools that are for kids and they were showing up on some of our uh, keywords, but they're way down and not doing very well. And now they're launching actual toys against us. So I asked them, I was like, oh, that's great. You guys are launching this. When is it live? Who's doing your Amazon? And they're like, "There were one of the people that said, yeah, we're good. We do it out of like, I guess they're out of Germany or something. And it's like, yeah, we're good.
1: I'm like, yeah, sure. Okay, good job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's where, and that's why I till, still tell so many people that, uh, you know, the, even though it's getting really, really hard to compete on Amazon, there is still a huge opportunity. If you know what you're doing, the people Absolutely. who are t- turning dials are the ones who are, are, are going to do well because, you know, they're finding those little edges that the big companies, you know, either are too ignorant to know about or just don't take the time to learn. Right. they, they're not turning dials. Once those big corporations, you know, have their processes in place, have, that's what they use, right? Like, oh, here's how you launch, and here's the process, even though, like, a month ago, the you know, the, the algorithms changed, or there's a new ad, uh, you know, like, video ad that spun up on Amazon, you know, that, that they don't even know about till, like, next year, right?
2: Um, I think, like, a lot of them completely ignore it, too, Andy, because, you know, like, Stanley, for example, yeah, their stuff is terrible on Amazon, but they've got such a large retail presence, And I've worked with some bigger brands that are wanting to get into e-commerce and it's almost like they ignore the fact that you have to have e-commerce knowledge. They think that, okay, we can just post our products up there and then they'll just sell because they're so used to just shipping a product to retail and then waiting for their next order. But what they forget, I think, is that If you are in Walmart or Costco or Target or something like that, you've got to have a team to manage that store, right? Stanley, I'm sure has a team for Home Depot. I'm sure they have a team for Lowe's, but I doubt that they've put any time or effort into their team for Amazon, and that's a huge mistake, in my opinion.
1: Well, they do. They have. I guarantee you, they do have a team for Amazon, but it's one person who's in charge of everything, right? They're like the the marketer, the list, you know, putting up putting up the listings. Like they're probably doing everything or They've hired, you know, some other, um, you know, some other uh, agency who's a, a marketing agency who doesn't really know that much about Amazon. But I, th- I
2: think what happens too is Amazon reaches out to a lot of these big brands, um, and Amazon's like, "Yeah, we'll help you out. We'll get you all set up." And you guys know what a joke that is, right? So these big brands, you know, I've worked with a few of them. And, um, and their staff has worked directly with Amazon and then they'll come with me on a consulting call and I'll be training them on just some basics, like SEO listing optimization. And I'm like, okay, well, what do you know about what, what's your main keyword here? What, what kind of keywords are you guys targeting? And they're like, uh, keywords, uh, Amazon just puts those in for us. I think. Yeah. <laughs> we are you talking
0: about? It's Phillips screwdriver.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Phillips screwdriver. I love it. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting though. I, I agree. There's so much, um, ground that can be covered in the e-commerce side of things. Uh, and you don't have to be afraid to compete with the big brands. Um, and in many times the big brands, Amazon's the least of their concern, you know, it, they have a huge opportunity there that they're missing out on, but, uh, but that's a great place for e-commerce sellers to take advantage.
1: Yeah, it's funny, these big brands, like uh, not only the big brands, but big agencies, even big publications. So Search Engine Journal, if you guys don't know about it, is like a huge SEO publication. Um, If you're doing like web SEO and and things like that, they're spot on every time. Like really, really good stuff. But they recently posted an article about Amazon PPC and it was, they they were literally like completely wrong. And, you know, leading people down the the trail that would, you know, would not work uh, well for them if they followed that advice. So it's interesting that um, you know, in my opinion, if you're going to go for uh, Amazon advice, look at uh, people like Brandon. You know, some of these people who are turning dials and actually like in the trenches. I have a hard time believing anybody who's never sold on Amazon, right? I mean, <laughs> that to me, that's a a, a little bit of a, a, a you know a red flag in terms of you know it's a Google agency, a Google ad or Facebook ad agency that's that's like, hey, yeah, now we're doing Amazon, right? Um, cause to me, they're, they're lacking that expertise, uh, and the years of knowledge of turning That's dials. Completely and Different learning curve. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Yep. So Brandon, do you do like a 80, 20? I know that you're probably, if you're anything like Amy and I, you know, you've always got these like little ideas, little projects in your head. And it's hard to stay focused. Are you working on any kind of fun side projects besides uh, e-commerce and Amazon?
0: (laughs) I've always got a million things I want to do. You're absolutely right. And uh, the only one that keeps me steered in the right direction is my wife. So that's why we make such a good team. But, uh, uh, you know, we've got a couple of things that we're doing. We've got a software project we're working on or two. We've got, um, you know, some off Amazon investments uh, that we're working on. Yeah. So there's, there's always some things that we're doing a little bit off of Amazon. One of the big things that we're trying to figure out right now is I want to start uh, investing in uh, my students. So the, the inner circle students that show a lot of promise, that uh, have launched a product or two, have shown that they understand the methodology, work hard, execute it well, are smart and, and capable. You know, I want to kind of accelerate their growth. So I want to do like an accelerator program where I give them some cash. They, they get free membership into the inner circle for the rest of their, you know, career, whenever it is. And then uh, maybe some extra one-on-one time every month and, and and kind of build a portfolio of companies that I'm growing that way. So it's a good investment portfolio for me, a good way to diversify. It's still within the Amazon sphere. So it's not really diversified that way. But I, I still think Amazon is the best dollar for dollar investment in the world right now. Um, so, you know, there's only so much we can do personally with ourselves and our teams. So then we have another, besides investing in students, then we're going to start building up pockets of teams. So the way that they scale in China is slightly different. And my wife likes to lean that direction, which is we take the talented uh, Amazon employees or employees that have worked for other companies that have shown promise, but they don't have their own capital. And we fund basically a new entity with them. And, um, we just do a profit share with them and help them grow and, and spawn off. It's kind of the way Anchor did it, uh, Aki, a lot of these other companies. They would just take like a team of three people that, that you know, for, each, for tasks and they would, you know, fund and say, you have carte blanche to pick a niche and a product or a few products and start launching. You have to launch X amount of products, like their KPIs would be launching X amount of products per month. Um, and then it would be slightly overseen, but like most, for the most part, pretty autonomous, which means it would be a... a really scalable and then once they had success a few months in then you can uh graduate one of those people to another team leader and then just keep growing it that way and and just scale that way so that's another way that we're looking to build up more portfolios you know and wealth uh within all within you know the amazing opportunity that amazon fba is and and private
1: label is yeah i love it so it's like little amazon uh strike team commandos right so you're sending the the (laughs) the the, the three-man team out seeing yeah and what's
0: yeah, hundred percent. And what's amazing is like once you get to the scale, then you have those economies of scale that start to kick in and like the software we're creating can help to automate a lot of those processes. We can, for my students and the people that we invest in, then we can help with logistics and consolidating, uh, you know, uh, shipments to, to bring down costs and uh, PPC um, help and, and, and all the inner circle training we already do. But on top of that, the actual real stuff that will bring down a lot of those costs at scale. Um, that they normally wouldn't have access to, access to as a new startup or a new a new business. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in to part one of this episode. Join us every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time for live Q&A and bonus content after the recording at sellerroundtable.com. Sponsored by the ultimate software tool for Amazon sales and growth,
1: sellerseo.com and amazingathome.com.